Chapter One of Alice of Old Vincennes by Maurice Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. One, under the cherry tree. Up to the days of Indiana's early statehood, probably as late as eighteen twenty-five, there stood in what is now the beautiful little city of Vincennes on the Wabash the decaying remnant of an old and curiously gnarled cherry tree known as the Roussillon tree, le cerisier de Monsieur Roussillon as the french inhabitants called it which as long as it lived bore fruit remarkable for richness of flavour and peculiar dark ruby depth of colour the exact spot where this noble old seedling from la belle france flourished declined and died cannot be certainly pointed out for in the rapid and happy growth of vincennes many landmarks once notable among them la cerisier de m roussillon have been destroyed and the spots where they stood once familiar to every eye in old vincennes are now lost in the pleasant confusion of the new town the security of certain land titles may have largely depended upon the disappearance of old fixed objects here and there early records were loosely kept indeed scarcely kept at all many were destroyed by designing land speculators while those most carefully preserved often failed to give even a shadowy trace of the actual boundaries of the estates held thereby so that the position of a house or tree not infrequently settled an important question of property rights left open by a primitive deed at all events the roussillon cherry tree disappeared long ago nobody living knows how and with it also vanished quite as mysteriously all traces of the once important roussillon estate not a record of the name even can be found it is said in church or county books the old twisted gum embossed cherry tree survived every other distinguishing feature of what was once the most picturesque and romantic place in vincennes just north of it stood in the early french days a low rambling cabin surrounded by rude verandas overgrown with grapevines this was the roussillon place the most pretentious home in all the wabash country its owner was gaspard roussillon a successful trader with the indians he was rich for the time and the place influential to a degree a man of some education who had brought with him to the wilderness a bundle of books and a taste for reading from faded letters and dimly remembered talk of those who once clung fondly to the legends and traditions of old vincennes it is drawn that the roussillon cherry tree stood not very far away from the present site of the catholic church on a slight swell of ground overlooking a wide marshy flat and silver current of the wabash if the tree grew there then there too stood the roussillon house with its cosy log rooms its clay-daubed chimneys and its grape-vined mantled verandas while some distance away and nearer the river the rude fort with its huddled officers quarters seemed to fling out over the wild landscape through its squinting and lopsided portholes a gaze of stubborn defiance not far off was the little log church where one good father beret or as named by the indians who all loved him father black robe performed the services of his sacred calling and scattered all around were the cabins of traders soldiers and woodsmen forming a queer little town the like of which cannot now be seen anywhere on the earth it is not known just when vincennes was first founded but most historians make the probable date very early in the eighteenth century somewhere between seventeen ten and seventeen thirty in eighteen ten the roussillon cherry tree was thought by a distinguished botanical letter-writer to be at least fifty years old which would make the date of its planting about seventeen sixty certainly as shown by the time-stained family records upon which this story of ours is based it was a flourishing and wide-topped tree in early summer of seventeen seventy eight its branches loaded to drooping with luscious fruit 
so low did the dark red clusters hang at one point that a tall young girl standing on the ground easily reached the best ones and made her lips purple with their juice while she ate them that was long ago measured by what has come to pass on the gentle swell of rich country from which vincennes overlooks the wabash the new town flourishes notably and its appearance marks the latest limit of progress electric cars in its streets electric lights in its beautiful homes the roar of railway trains coming and going in all directions bicycles whirling hither and thither the most fashionable styles of equipages from brougham to pony phaeton make the days of flint-lock guns and buckskin trousers seem ages down the past and yet we are looking back over but a little more than a hundred and twenty years to see alice Ocillon standing under the cherry-tree and holding high a tempting cluster of fruit while a very short hump-backed youth looks up with longing eyes and vainly reaches for it the tableau is not merely rustic it is primitive jump the girl is saying in french jump jean jump high yes that was very long ago in the days when women lightly braved what the strongest men would shrink from now alice rossillon was tall lithe strongly knit with an almost perfect figure judging by what the sculptors carved for the form of venus and her face was comely and winning if not absolutely beautiful but the time and the place were vigorously indicated by her dress which was of coarse stuff and simply designed plainly she was a child of the american wilderness a daughter of old vincennes on the wabash in the time that tried men's souls jump jean she cried her face laughing with a show of cheek dimples an arching of finely sketched brows and the twinkling of large blue-gray eyes jump high and get them while she waved her sun-browned hand holding the cherries aloft the breeze blowing fresh from the southwest tossed her hair so that some loose strands shone like rimpled flames the sturdy little hunchback did leap with surprising activity but the treacherous brown hand went higher so high that the combined altitude of his jump and the reach of his unnaturally long arms was overcome again and again he sprang vainly into the air comically like a long-legged squat-bodied frog and you brag of your agility and strength jean she laughingly remarked but you can't take cherries when they are offered to you what a clumsy bungler you are i can climb and get some he said with a hideously happy grin and immediately embraced the bowl of the tree up which he began scrambling almost as fast as a squirrel when he had mounted high enough to be extending a hand for a hold on a crotch alice grasped his leg near the foot and pulled him down despite his clinging and struggling until his hands clawed in the soft earth at the tree's root while she held his captive leg almost vertically erect it was a show of great strength but alice looked quite unconscious of it laughing merrily the dimples deepening in her plump cheeks her forearm now bared to the elbow gleaming white and shapely while its muscles rippled on account of the jerking and kicking of jean all the time she was holding the cherries high in her other hand shaking them by the twig to which their slender stems attached them and saying in a sweet tantalizing tone what makes you climb downward after cherries jean what a foolish fellow you are indeed trying to grapple cherries out of the ground as you do potatoes i'm sure i didn't suppose that you knew so little as that her french was colloquial but quite good showing here and there what we often notice in the speech of those who have been educated in isolated places far from that babble of polite energies which we call the world something that may be described as a bookish cast appearing oddly in the midst of phrasing distinctly rustic and local 
a peculiarity not easy to transfer from one language to another jean the hunchback was a muscular little deformity and a wonder of good nature his head looked unnaturally large nestling grotesquely between the points of his lifted and distorted shoulders like a shaggy black animal in the fork of a broken tree he was bellicose in his amiable way and never knew just when to acknowledge defeat how long he might have kept up the hopeless struggle with the girl's invincible grip would be hard to guess his release was caused by the approach of a third person who wore the robe of a catholic priest and the countenance of a man who had lived and suffered a long time without much loss of physical strength and endurance this was pere beret grisly short compact his face deeply lined his mouth decidedly aslant on account of some lost teeth and his eyes set deep under grey shaggy brows looking at him when his features were in repose a first impression might not have been favourable but seeing him smile or hearing him speak changed everything his voice was sweetness itself and his smile won you on the instant something like a pervading sorrow always seemed to be close behind his eyes and under his speech yet he was a genial sometimes almost jolly man very prone to join in the lighter amusements of his people children children my children he called out as he approached along a little pathway leading up from the direction of the church what are you doing now bah there alice will you pull jean's leg off at first they did not hear him they were so nearly deafened by their own vocal discords why are you standing on your head with your feet so high in air jean he added it's not a polite attitude in the presence of a young lady are you a pig that you poke your nose in the dirt alice now turned her bright head and gave pere beret a look of frank welcome which at the same time shot a beam of wilful self-assertion my daughter are you trying to help jean up the tree feet foremost the priest added standing where he had halted just outside of the straggling yard fence he had his hands on his hips and was quietly chuckling at the scene before him as one who although old sympathized with the natural and harmless sportiveness of young people and would as lief as not join in a prank or two you see what i'm doing father beret said alice i am preventing a great damage to you you will maybe lose a good many cherry pies and dumplings if i let jean go he was climbing the tree to pilfer the fruit so i pulled him down you understand ta ta exclaimed the good man shaking his grey head we must reason with the child let go his leg daughter i will vouch for him eh jean alice released the hunchback then laughed gaily and tossed the cluster of cherries into his hand whereupon he began munching them voraciously and talking at the same time i knew i could get them he boasted and see i have them now he hopped around looking like a species of ill-formed monkey pere beret came and leaned on the low fence close to alice she was almost as tall as he the sun scorches to-day he said beginning to mop his furrowed face with a red-flowered cotton handkerchief and from the look of the sky yonder pointing southward it is going to bring on a storm how is madame roussillon to-day she is complaining as she usually does when she feels extremely well said alice that's why i had to take her place at the oven and bake pies i got hot and came out to catch a bit of this breeze 
oh but you needn't smile and look greedy pere beret the pies are not for your teeth my daughter i am not a glutton i hope i had meat not two hours since some broiled young squirrels with cress sent me by rené de ronville he never forgets his old father oh i never forget you either mon père i thought of you to-day every time i spread a crust and filled it with cherries and when i took out a pie all brown and hot the red juice bubbling out of it so good smelling and tempting do you know what i said to myself how could i know my child well i thought this not a single bite of that pie does father beret get why so daughter because you said it was bad of me to read novels and told mother roussillon to hide them from me i've had any amount of trouble about it ta ta read the good books that i gave you they will soon kill the taste for these silly romances i tried said alice i tried very hard and it's no use your books are dull and stupidly heavy what do i care about something that a queer lot of saints did hundreds of years ago in times of plague and famine saints must have been pokey people and it is pokey people who care to read about them i think i like reading about brave heroic men and beautiful women and war and love pere beret looked away with a curious expression in his face his eyes half closed and i'll tell you now father beret alice went on after a pause no more claret and pies do you get until i can have my own sort of books back again to read as i please she stamped her moccasin-shod foot with decided energy the good priest broke into a hearty laugh and taking off his cap of grass straw mechanically scratched his bald head he looked at the tall strong girl before him for a moment or two and it would have been hard for the best physiognomist to decide just how much of approval and how much of disapproval that look really signified although as father beret had said the sun's heat was violent causing that gentle soul to pass his bundled handkerchief with a wiping circular motion over his bald and bedewed pate the wind was momently refreshing while up from behind the trees on the horizon beyond the river a cloud was rising blue-black tumbled and grim against the sky well said the priest evidently trying hard to exchange his laugh for a look of regretful resignation you will have your own way my child and then you will have pies galore and no end of claret she interrupted at the same time stepping to the wide tied and peg-latched gate of the yard and opening it come in you dear good father before the rain shall begin and sit with me on the gallery the creole word for veranda till the storm is over father beret seemed not loath to enter albeit he offered a weak protest against delaying some task he had in hand alice reached forth and pulled him in then reclosed the queer little gate and pegged it she caressingly passed her arm through his and looked into his weather-stained old face with childlike affection there was not a photographer's camera to be had in those days but what if a tourist with one in hand could have been there to take a snapshot at the priest and the maiden as they walked arm in arm to that squat little veranda the picture to-day would be worth its weight in a first water diamond it would include the cabin the cherry tree a glimpse of the raw wild background and a sharp portrait group of pere beret alice and jean the hunchback to compare it with a photograph of the same spot now would give a perfect impression of the historic atmosphere colour and conditions which cannot be set in words 
but we must not belittle the power of verbal description what if a thoroughly trained newspaper reporter had been given the freedom of old vincennes on the wabash during the first week of june seventeen seventy eight and we now had his printed story what a supplement to the photographer's pictures well we have neither photographs nor graphic report yet there they are before us the gowned and straw-capped priest the fresh-faced coarsely clad and vigorous girl the grotesque little hunchback all just as real as life itself each of us can see them even with closed eyes led by that wonderful guide imagination we step back a century and more to look over a scene at once strangely attractive and unspeakably forlorn what was it that drew people away from the old countries from the cities the villages and the vineyards of beautiful france for example to dwell in the wilderness amid wild beasts and wilder savage indians with a rude cabin for a home and the exposures and hardships of pioneer life for their daily experience men like gaspard roussillon are of a distinct stamp take him as he was born in france on the banks of the rhone near avignon he came as a youth to canada whence he drifted on the tide of adventure this way and that until at last he found himself with a wife at post vincennes that lonely picket of religion and trade which was to become the centre of civilizing energy for the great northwestern territory m roussillon had no children of his own so his kind heart opened freely to two fatherless and motherless waifs these were alice now called alice roussillon and the hunchback jean the former was twelve years old when he adopted her a child of protestant parents while jean had been taken when a mere babe after his parents had been killed and scalped by indians madame roussillon a professed invalid whose appetite never failed and whose motherly kindness expressed itself most often through strains of monotonous falsetto scolding was a woman of little education and no refinement while her husband clung tenaciously to his love of books especially to the romances most in vogue when he took leave of france m roussillon had been in a way alice's teacher though not greatly inclined to abet father beret in his kindly efforts to make a catholic of the girl and most treacherously disposed toward the good priest in the matter of his well-meant attempts to prevent her from reading and re-reading the aforesaid romances but for many weeks past gaspard roussillon had been absent from home looking after his trading schemes with the indians and pere beret acting on the suggestion of the proverb about the absent cat and the playing mouse had formed an alliance offensive and defensive with madame roussillon in which it was strictly stipulated that all novels and romances were to be forcibly taken and securely hidden away from mademoiselle alice which to the best of madame roussillon's ability had accordingly been done now while the wind strengthened and the softly booming summer shower came on apace the heavy cloud lifting as it advanced and showing under it the dark grey sheet of the rain pere beret and alice sat under the clapboard roof behind the vines of the veranda and discussed what was generally uppermost in the priest's mind upon such occasions the good of alice's immortal soul a subject not absorbingly interesting to her at any time it was a standing grief to the good old priest this strange perversity of the girl in the matter of religious duty as he saw it true she had a faithful guardian in gaspard roussillon but much as he had done to aid the church's work in general for he was always vigorous and liberal he could not be looked upon as a very good catholic and of course his influence was not effective in the right direction 
but then pere beret saw no reason why in due time and with patient work aided by madame roussillon and notwithstanding gaspard's treachery he might not safely lead alice whom he loved as a dear child into the arms of the holy church to serve which faithfully at all hazards and in all places was his highest aim ah my child he was saying you are a sweet good girl after all much better than you make yourself out to be your duty will control you you will do it nobly at last my child true enough father beret true enough she responded laughing your perception is most excellent which i will prove to you immediately she rose while speaking and went into the house i'll return in a minute or two she called back from a region which pere beret well knew was that of the pantry don't get impatient and go away pere beret laughed softly at the preposterous suggestion that he would even dream of going out in the rain which was now roaring heavily on the loose board roof and miss a cut of cherry pie a cherry pie of alice's making and the roussillon claret too was always excellent ah child he thought your old father is not going away she presently returned bearing on a wooden tray a ruby-stained pie and a short stout bottle flanked by two glasses of course i'm better than i sometimes appear to be she said almost humbly but with mischief still in her voice and eyes and i shall get to be very good when i have grown old the sweetness of my present nature is in this pie she set the tray on a three-legged stool which she pushed close to him there now she said let the rain come you'll be happy rain or shine while the pie and wine last i'll be bound pere beret fell to eating right heartily meantime handing jean a liberal piece of the luscious pie it is good my daughter very good indeed the priest remarked with his mouth full madame roussillon has not neglected your culinary education alice filled a glass for him it was bordeaux and very fragrant the bouquet reminded him of his sunny boyhood in france of his journey up to paris and of his careless joy-brimmed youth in the gay city how far away how misty yet how thrillingly sweet it all was he sat with half-closed eyes a while sipping and dreaming the rain lasted nearly two hours but the sun was out again when pere beret took leave of his young friend they had been having another good-natured quarrel over the novels and madame roussillon had come out on the veranda to join in i've hidden every book of them said madame a stout and swarthy woman whose pearl-white teeth were her only mark of beauty her voice indicated great stubbornness good good you have done your very duty madame said pere beret with immense approval in his charming voice but father you said a while ago that i should have my own way about this alice spoke up with spirit and on the strength of that remark of yours i gave you the pie and wine you've eaten my pie and swigged the wine and now pere beret put on his straw cap adjusting it carefully over the shining dome out of which had come so many thoughts of wisdom kindness and human sympathy this done he gently laid a hand on alice's bright crown of hair and said bless you my child i will pray to the prince of peace for you as long as i live and i will never cease to beg the holy virgin to intercede for you and lead you to the holy church he turned and went away but when he was no farther than the gate alice called out 
oh father beret i forgot to show you something she ran forth to him and added in a low tone you know that madame roussillon has hidden all the novels from me she was fumbling to get something out of the loose front of her dress well just take a glance at this will you and she showed him a little leather-bound volume much cracked along the hinges of the back it was manon lescaut that dreadful romance by the famous abbe prevost pere beret frowned and went his way shaking his head but before he reached his little hut near the church he was laughing in spite of himself she's not so bad not so bad he thought aloud it's only her young independent spirit taking the bit for a wild run in her sweet soul she is as good as she is pure End of chapter 1